Welcome to the second episode of Conflict and Conversation on social media. Today we're going to speak to Saad Shuaib. Saad is 22 years old. His family was displaced from Palestine in 1948 and eventually settled in New York, where he was born and raised. He is currently studying journalism at Baruch College in New York and is also active with the organization WOL, Within Our Lifetime. Thanks for joining us, Saad. Let's get right to it. What, what were you posting? Were you posting more stories or posts, um, original content or resharing? I uh, like to post content that comes originally from um, from Palestinian-based accounts because I don't like to uh, spew a narrative personally or put my own, um, especially as a Westerner, I think this is very important with people that get into activism as well, is that our jobs is to be simply a messenger for what people what native people have to say or what cause you're fighting for and it's important not to hijack those voices and use it to like um to like spread a narrative that you want to spread just present it for what it is most of the stuff that i post is on instagram um it would usually be story posts and it'll be like let's say um uh i dot on palestine would post something because that's that's an account that has a lot of like firsthand um footage um or mid-east eye if any of those accounts would post something i would literally just post it and then maybe i'll have like a comment under it like within a okay. post and that's pretty much it like that's how i would that's the extent at which i'll go to post and if i'm currently at a protest or we're organizing a protest obviously we'll try to get the word out that we're protesting protesting there um and then we'll do like educational seminars like basically during those uh protests essentially okay um and when you were sharing those like i to palestine accounts things or any other accounts were you um just like taking their word for it because it's like people from palestine just taking the videos or were you did you think there was like something specific in that content that you thought it was valuable to share got you so here's the important thing about posting stuff from ion palestine right or just anything that is like breaking news in general so a lot of the time with breaking news um you're not going to see all of the context and um the thing about ida on palestine is they're one of those accounts that do that right so for example if a shooting occurs or if a stabbing occurs or if a bombing occurs they will simply say that it has happened i personally try to go out of my way to make sure that if i'm going to post something um especially if you're within the activism space you need to make sure that everything that you're posting is credible and that it has like you understand the full context of what is going on. Wait, so, so when yeah. when you do share a post, how do you give that like extra context that you're talking about? What I like to do personally is I will always cross reference um, unless stuff is explicitly shown in a video. I'll always try to cross-reference it with basically newspapers that are in Israel, in Palestine, and try to cross-reference the story. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, at this point, like the way that media works and the way that social media works in general is that we kind of also, we all have a responsibility to do that um, as a news consumer, period. You always assume when you look at a story that you're that you're wrong, always. Because that way you can like assess the facts um, with, with, with sort of like a neutral mindset. And then at that point, you can pick and choose and and kind of figure out what you what you think is the truth based off of based off of facts that are presented to you, yeah. not based off of hunches or stuff that's only shown from one perspective or another. Who were you hoping to reach when you were posting specifically during the escalation? 
when it comes to activism specifically with activism with Palestine specifically, especially in the United States of America, the target audience was honestly just like people that I knew personally and like regular like regular New Yorkers. Because I feel like the average person has the right and should know. And me as a Palestinian, I have a responsibility to let people know like what is going on because it is what is going on in Palestine, especially the West Bank and Gaza, is a human rights travesty that if it was put on other ethnic groups or other groups of people, it would be, like it would literally be on the news a lot more. Um, and at the same time as well, when you as someone that has went through the American education system as a kid, right? You learn about what happened to the Native Americans. You learned about what happened with Jews during the Holocaust. You learned about you learn about what happened to the, the Black South Africans. You learn about what happened to the Native Amer the Native Americans in South America, the Inca. Like you learn about all of these people, right? And then you always ask yourself, like, why? Like, how could humans let these atrocities happen? And there were humans that ended up that knew about what was going on, right? Um, and like unfortunately history repeats itself so you like that's why i feel like me personally i don't want to be part of the problem and at the very least like if i know that something is going on i would want to post it now that being said that being said i will also say that i as i there are social justice issues that i don't post on personally and that's because frankly i personally don't care about those things or it's also because i don't have enough knowledge about them right and i think that people need to acknowledge those realities and i feel like a lot of people a lot of the times uh try to score social points by posting stuff about for example black lives matter or asian hate crime if you don't have the full context or like there are just things that you have to let minorities or you have to let the people that are affected speak for themselves and you only have to act as a magnifier of that voice i don't want someone talking about a conflict that they have no understanding of it's better to either shut up and not post anything or shut up and listen mm -hmm. and if they feel like they're not educated on the topic then they shouldn't be posting that now a lot of people don't feel like that and a lot of people would even tell you oh you know um where's your moral compass where's your humanity well is that really humanity or is it just superficial? Do you think that Americans need to be involved in this in this conflict or it should just basically be whoever is interested and the Israelis and the Palestinians who are directly affected? Me and WOL, we actually planned a Queens protest and it ended up being the, the biggest um, Palestinian protest that happened in Queens' history. So it was very, very successful. Um, and that was going on during the time that we were just trying to get the word out um, about Palestine in general. And it's very different when you're walking in the street, blocking traffic and like, and like making sure that you're in real life in front of people versus them just seeing something on your story and you're like swiping right or you're swiping left. You know? It was very important to be in people's faces and then having the connection to real life posted where like you would see the protest. Oh, like, Hey, this is in my neighborhood. This is like in my backyard. I, I feel like that's more important, like on the grassroots level versus posting something online because I feel like when it comes to online, a lot of people are like desensitized at what they see. It's just something that's on their phone screen. It's not something that's like real life in regards to activism in, in the sense that of trying to get something done and trying to basically create a future um, where, you know, we can have a place where Muslims, Jews, Christians, Arabs, Jews, Ashkenazi, Misrahi, all that stuff like, can live together.
um, it's important that we talk to each other because in the discourse nationally and on the discourse news-wise and on the discourse on the activism and even grassroots level, there isn't really a conversation happening between those two groups. Since you've had both like in-person uh, conversations and online, how do you how do you think it'd be the best way for Israelis and Palestinians to actually have these conversations? What I've come to realize with the conversations that I've had is that, okay, I'm going to try to use an experience that you're personally familiar with, and that's like the Holocaust, right? So the Holocaust is such a, like, it's a trigger word for a lot of Jews and rightfully so, right? There's basically a bunch of things that if you were going to say that within the vicinity of a Jew that is worth his salt and knows his history, that it's going to basically, you know, it might trigger memories for a lot of people or memories of like, of, of what their grandparents or even their parents have told them for others, right? Those things is how Palestinians feel when someone says that they are a Zionist. A lot of Israelis are not aware of Palestinian trauma and they're not mm -hmm. aware of and they're not aware that some of the things that they're proud of themselves are some of the things that Palestinians um, detest or are, or are scared of or, or are really damaging and triggering to them. On the flip side, there's a lot of Palestinians that, you know, honestly, genuinely, like, I mean, if you look at America and like British and like Palestinians in the diaspora, like they know about the Holocaust but there mm -hmm. are a lot of native Palestinians that don't, right? And um, that's something that, again, doesn't excuse the occupation, but it is very useful within the context of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And people wouldn't really know that if they didn't really sit down and talk to each other, right? Conversations with Palestinians and Israelis is on the top, is, is the most important conversations that need to happen because without those conversations, like peace isn't going to happen, period. When you get lower and lower on that chain, it's obviously important to educate people, period, right? So um, now, do I feel like people are socially responsible? Um, to that, I would say not necessarily, but I'll also say that the opinion of an American or the opinion of someone in the West is an important opinion to have favoring your side because of the social capital that it has, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. And I, I feel like social capital is also something that is very important nowadays because clout and being able to share and having a million followers on Instagram or being able to have that social power is something that is like, is almost as good or if not better than like money, if mm -hmm. not better than monetary value, because social currency is a very powerful thing. And if you can have, if you can have people on your side yeah, posting about sure. you and talking about you, then that's something that would obviously be very, very beneficial. Where people get it wrong land is where you simply have someone spewing out facts without necessarily understanding what they actually mean, just mm -hmm. because they want to feel good or they want to feel like a social justice warrior and that they're, you know, that that they're helping people out, but in reality, you kind of aren't because you're not understanding the full scope of what you're talking about. And in that case, and some people would say this is controversial, but I don't think that you should be talking about social justice issues if you don't if you don't know what the information is. There needs to be a stage of education. And a lot of people are scared to say that they don't know or that they don't have an opinion or that they don't care. And mm -hmm. I feel like if you yeah. honestly feel any one of those three feelings, you it should be okay for you to say that you don't.
Uh-huh. When you were posting, were you hoping to reach also Israelis as well? Or do you think that social media is a better tool to reach the average American? Okay. I'm just trying to post the truth, regardless okay. of how you feel about it or not. Right mm-hmm. now, am I going to now at the same time, does that mean that I'm not going to post if, you know, a Palestinian does something wrong to an Israeli? No, that doesn't necessarily mean that. Right now, at the same time, right, as a Palestinian activist. I might not know about the stuff that's like, you know, going on in terms of like that. So just from an apples to apples comparison, I'm not I'm not going to be posting that as much for one, because not necessarily I'm not interested in it, but I'm not exposed to that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I got into an argument with my Jewish studies professor about this because <laughs> he's like, I'm a historian. And a lot of historians believe that there's no such thing as the truth. There's only such thing as a compilation of people's truths put together. And then you have to make whatever you make of it. And I'm like. Dude, I disagree with that. There is like, you shouldn't like, if me and you get into an argument, right? It's not going to change the fact that like we, you can't just say, okay, they both had an argument. So one is right or one is wrong. No, we have to talk about, okay, what's the context of the argument? What's the, you know, um, what are the things that happen in A, B, C, and D? You put the pieces together. We get your alibi. We get my alibi. And then from there, we can get maybe not the truth, but we can get closer to it. So mm-hmm. we that should be the objective to get closer to the truth. Have you ever seen a post? Let's just go first pro-Palestinian. Have you ever seen a post and you're like, that is completely wrong? Like you did more research and you actually found out that it's wrong? Because a lot of times when I try to research it, like I can be like, I see where they're coming from, but like with my context or other context, I can say that it's not the truth. But with other contexts, I can maybe try and form sure. an opinion that that's true. I think the biggest story is for example the Sheikh Jarrah story mm-hmm. so there's a lot of complexity that goes in that story and a lot of people aren't acknowledging that complex history right now me and you probably know it right because I'm Palestinian and I'm assuming that you're Jewish and you also have family that are in Israel but the average person that posts on social media doesn't so you have people that are vehemently on one side or the other and they're posting stuff about the conflict but they don't know the entire context of what's going on what kind of post do you think someone can share that can actually give the, all that relevant information? I'm going to be honest with you. No one is, if we're talking about realistically, no one is going to read that information, right? Yeah, I agree. So I, I, now, so with that in mind, right, is it all doom and gloom? At the end of the day, this is what it comes down to, I think. I think that social media is a very good tool for breaking news. I think it would be more useful to post videos of what is actually going on. Mm-hmm. And trying to remove your opinion from it as much as possible as if you're if you're a news source. Obviously, if you're just a regular person, you can, you know, post whatever whatever you want in the in your caption or your story post or whatever, whatever your opinion wants to be. But as a news source, which in my opinion, I on Palestine gets it right a good amount of the time. I want to say like 80, 90 percent of the time they'll post something. They'll have the caption. This is what's going on. They post it and then you you repost it and then it literally just just in in the caption it will say what is happening in the video. Mm-hmm. It won't necessarily say, you know, who's right or wrong unless it's obvious or unless the context like is has been ongoing to the point where okay we already know what's going on. What I would ask of people that talk about, for example, the conflict between Palestine and Israel, is if there is a human rights violation, or if you see someone being detained, or if like if someone if you see a child being detained by by a soldier and he obviously doesn't doesn't pose no harm currently or or didn't pose harm pose a harm period like that's wrong 
and that should be posted and that should be shared, right? Mm-hmm. On the flip side as well, like if there's a footage of a cafe in 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 Haifa, right, or there's a in, in a cafe in Jerusalem, and you see like um, an Israeli, a Jewish woman who's pregnant who gets stabbed, right, and she's just minding her own business, and she's stabbed for the sake of for the sake of liberating Palestine, right? But she stabbed for that sake. That should also be posted as well. Mm-hmm. But and then and then um. It just it, it it's gonna make people question and it's gonna make people try to go do research on their own. But I don't feel like we should be like like trying to force down narratives down people's throats and trying to write history lessons on our Instagram because people aren't going to read it. So I'm curious what you think. Did you did you see what was happening online during the escalation as kind of like a image warfare? Like someone was like each side was trying to be the louder side or was it kind of more of a conversation? First of all, the comfort, the, the, it, it definitely was not a conversation. I see what you mean when you say that it's an image warfare, but I also want to point out that a lot of the images that are shown and a lot of the videos that are shown may be shown out of context, but they're also very real. So I don't want us to basically talk about this with the framework that, oh, a lot of this stuff was exaggerated. No, it was very real. Um, and this is going to obviously be my opinion, and you can say that I have a bias, but there was a humongous orchestrated, calculated effort by Instagram and Facebook to silence specifically Palestinian Arab voices. Whenever they were seeing Palestinian activism across the board, right? And I, I even me, like, um, I, I didn't own, I don't own the WOL account. But Nerdin Kiswani, who is a Palestinian activist who runs that account, she would post a lot of stuff like about just where protests were gathering. And she would simply be posting videos that would were documenting what was going on. And those things were taken down under the context of hate speech. Okay. So if something is and that literally just doesn't make any sense, because if I'm posting someone getting shot or someone a, a grenade getting thrown at someone, right? which is a lot of the content that they were posting at that time. You cannot take that down because it's hate speech. It's simply documentation of what's going on. And then on top of that, if you, you don't even believe me, the CEO of Instagram himself apologized yeah, I after he took down a lot of those posts. Um, and then on top on top of that, weeks later, um, posts that I, were, I was posting myself on Palestine, I would see my story because, you know, on Instagram, you can actually see who, who viewed your story. I would literally look at like each individual like rectangle post that I had. And I usually average like 99 to 120 people that like look at my post. And then anything that had Palestine in it or or an account that was associated with Palestine posted on it, it would have like 50, 40. It would just drop immediately. But then the post right after that would be like a mm. cat video or like a Comedy Central video. And that one would just jump straight back to 90 to 120, right? That's That's weird. Like that's definitely very weird. Um, and I honestly did not see that happening as much when it came to Israeli activism and people posting those kinds of things. It was mm-hmm. definitely not censored on that level at all. So there, at that time, um, there definitely was people that they were just trying to talk about and say what was going on on both sides. I don't necessarily think that um, it was necessarily an image warfare because people were just like it wasn't really like a narratives at odds thing it was more that that was the case more when it came to Sheikh Jarrah um and it also uh came it was also the case when it comes to the the rockets and the iron dome system um that was also like a or you could say that that was an information war because those two narratives were definitely at odds against each other but I feel like it was more um 
Israelis posting or Jews posting, Palestinians posting, Arab Palestinians or um, Arab Christian Palestinians or Arab Muslim Palestinians posting, and um, them getting silenced on a corporate level, on a on a systematic level from the corporation themselves. And did you did you feel yourself participating in this like more communal effort? Like, did you feel like you had this kind of responsibility because you're Palestinian and everyone's kind of posting? Or is it more a kind of a personal decision? I feel like it's a responsibility for me because my family was honestly very lucky to come to the United States of America. And I could have very easily been one of those families that stayed in the West Bank or stayed in Gaza. And with that in mind, like, I feel like if I don't post some stuff about this, I have to answer about that. And I and I also want to say that if I post inform- misinformation and if I post stuff that only supports one narrative, I'm also going to have to answer for that as well. Mm-hmm. Especially if I'm talking about stuff that that involves lives and that involves people and that involves people getting killed. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the reason why I post. Were you aware of like the don't know, don't post trend that was going on, especially around Israelis, where they were kind of posting online um, their own original content? Like they were just writing stuff and they're saying, to everyone who's posting, who's like not connected to the conflict, if you don't know what you're talking about, just don't post at all. Or did you see that at all? Uh, I think I did see that, but I didn't, I, I don't think I thought, I, I didn't think it was a trend, but I did see some people posting about that. But what I will say to that is I feel like within my circle, at least when those things were getting posted, it was around the time that um, the American audience was getting for the first time a lot of footage that was recorded by native Palestinians posted onto the internet. And it just showed a lot of the government entities and institutions that Israelis and Jews hold so dearly to their hearts. And it was showing it in a more realistic light. Mm -hmm. It was showing a reality that they didn't necessarily want to see, which is why they were saying, if you don't know, don't post about it because those same people weren't saying, if you don't know, don't post about it when other stuff was going on between Palestine and Israel. A lot of people might disagree with me and say it's it's more about people just posting so they could get social currency, which is what we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. I honestly disagree because um, I do think that supporting Palestine was a social trend around like, I want to say like maybe June, July, there, it was at least in New York City, I would see a lot of people posting about it, especially when uh, people saw like Bella Hadid Mm-hmm. um posting uh post about it and that's why like american pop culture got involved is because yeah. um, people involved with american pop culture started posting so then it started to become a trend yeah so like similar to the don't know don't post was a trend that i realized did you realize any like specific trend more on the palestinian side people started posting a lot more uh resistance videos um, a lot more videos of people that were like physically fighting the occupation. So do you think that social media can actually enhance this conversation between Israelis and Palestinians, like bridge differences? Or do you think sure. it can only keep increasing, increasing the, the um, I, with short form content? I feel like, for example, Instagram stories, I feel like it's more doing the latter and it's not doing the, it's not doing the former because I can't go off like a 10 second clip or, or just a bunch of story posts back to back to back to back to back to back. Right. Maybe if I was watching this like account over the course of like months, sure. But if I just threw a video at you and I said, yo, watch this. Yeah. My side is right. Like that's not really like how it uh, works, how it should work. But unfortunately that's how it does work. Um, But 
I think there has to be the distinction made between long-form content and short-form because in long-form content, I think a difference is being made. In the long-form, I think it it's actually having an effect where it's able to, to make bridges because with long-form, you just have a more of an opportunity to like talk about context, right? And analyze stuff a lot more. Um, but I feel like uh, it's, it's, it's getting bigger, but social media in general, I think when it comes to specifically the conflict between Palestinians and Israelis, at the very least, um, it's it's unfortunately at the point where it's more of a of a separating force mm-hmm. um, because of the fact that people are only presenting facts on one side or the or the other. Yeah, and it seems like people who do follow in the long run have to be very invested in this conflict and like follow these these accounts like religiously. That's why I have to watch Ben Shapiro videos, unfortunately. Right? And I have to sit through his omission of a bunch of facts um, because, unfortunately, that's the only way that I'm going to get the, the – the, I'm going to possibly, possibly get the context that I'm missing from the other side. Yeah. Yeah, so. I understand. Um, so I know you said before that you feel you have a duty to post, but do you think in general Israelis and Palestinians that are – currently in the U.S. are college students. Do they have a duty to post, especially during escalations where more of the world is looking at that point? Um, if more of the world is looking, then yes, take advantage, obviously. But at the same time, if you don't, like I tell my Palestinian friends, all the like people that don't care all the time, if you don't care, don't post. Mm-hmm. I don't want you. You're not an ally. Like I don't, I don't want you to be posting if if you're not an ally. Um, and because, like I said, like I just don't like, like okay, on a personal level, I just don't like people that are like fake, like fake activists, like just like the posting thing. Like there was the whole thing with Black Lives Matter with like the Black Square. Like that's just these 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 bullshit trends. Like th- like these people that don't like how many of those people actually went to black lives matter protests and sat down in front of in front of precincts in front of police precincts and talked with like black people for example how many people that are against asian hate crimes right actually showed up for example in new york city uh because there is a rise of uh, asian hate crime in new york city specifically went to elmhurst hospital or went to um any hospital in in the city when um, people were having the vigils for 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 the for the old ladies or the young kids that were slashed. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it, it's it's not the same amount. Like you have a million people posting here and like ten people actually showing up to the hospital. I mean, but don't you think it kind of gets the job done when people are posting it and it's just okay. spreading the word? It, like I said, I agree. It's a vehicle, and we should use that vehicle, and we sh- we should use that trend. But I also think that there needs to be a shift in social media culture where people need to be more conscious. Now, obviously as an activist, I'm happy. Like I'm taking advantage. People are clicking on my videos. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. um, like even if people are hating on me, like if you're reposting my stuff, bro, like you're making people go into my account, like by all means, you know, like <laughs> even as a content creator, like that's what you would want. Right. And I'm if, like, if you're thinking about that from the social currency perspective, right. Because social currency is important, but what's, what's also important at the same time is ethics, right? How are you getting that money? How are you getting that social currency? Is it by sending by sending out misinformation or are you sending out information that's actually, it's productive information that people are actually mm-hmm. going to learn from? What do you think is the best thing that students, specifically college students, but we can also talk about just regular Americans, what can they do if they do want to be involved and they do want to learn more about the conflict? What is the best way that they can uh-huh. do that? 
um, follow people that you, first of all, in anything in general, right? Follow people you disagree with. Follow mm-hmm. people you disagree with on purpose. You're going to be able to develop that context. And you're going to be able to, in fact, actually educate yourself a lot more. Because if you know what the other side is saying and you know that it's wrong, well, guess what? Now you can actually hear those talking points and have a response to someone that brings that talking point to you. I actually want to talk about a little experience that I had when I went to those Black Lives Matter protests, for example, right? Is um, this was in Astoria and it was near a precinct on uh, near Steinway Street, which is like a busy street in Queens. There was a big Black Lives Matter protest. There was a part in that protest where there was actually a black officer in riot gear standing right in front of them, like right in front of the, the, the organizers. And he was in the riot gear and he was standing. There was a bunch of people that were just yelling and screaming at him and like, pointing fingers and saying, oh, you're part of the problem, like Uncle Tom, like all this stuff, right? And when I got closer, I ended up seeing that the the man himself was crying. Mm -hmm. He was was in tears. And it's like, when you take that into consideration, it's like, what would have happened if people, instead of like, and I understand when people are like emotionally charged and you honestly have a right to be, but how much more of an impact would we have had if they actually like sat down with that officer and said like, yo, like with with all that's going on, like, like how could you still keep this job? How could you still serve a institution that systematically goes after black individuals? Right. And he would have honestly maybe even given them an answer that they disagreed with, but at the very least you would have understood where people, where he stood and from there, you could have continued the conversation. Mm-hmm. And even if we continued the conversation with disagreement, you could have continued the conversation until you got a, in, in, into a point of contention where you maybe found like found a solution. And then there you go. You got your foot in the door and you keep going. And that should be the point of these of, of protests and social movements in general is like you don't live in your echo chambers. Go out of your way to talk mm-hmm. to the people that are actually going to get your problems solved. That's it for us today. In the next episode, we will be speaking to Rudy Rochman, a social media influencer. Stay tuned.